Thank you very much for making some time to hear what I have to say today. Um, I'm going to go sort of all the way up and look at all of this change from a sort of very zoomed out perspective and hopefully give you a sense of just what's happening in all of this change and disruption around us um, and how radio can contextualize itself within that change. Now, my premise is that um, all of the searching out there for relevance and connection and trust building and a sense of belonging in um, all of these digital platforms have already existed, always existed, and will always continue to exist in radio. So radio's digital future is rooted in its analog human past. So I want to just step through that little bit of history and show you some of the patterns that basically help us see that the more things change, the more they stay the same. And radio itself is not a victim of this disruption. We can own this disruption, we can surf ahead of it, and we can actually amplify and make better radio. Um, so digital is just a tool, it's just a technology, um, and technology disruptions have come in from time immemorial, um, for as long as the world has existed. What's happening is it's happening a bit faster. So we see the changes in our lifetimes, where before we used to sort of grand what was it like back in your day, you know. Now that entire story is the equivalent of my son asking me what was life 10 years ago, um, pre-digital. So thank you very much for joining me. Um, so what was the great thing about radio? Um, I work at Emedia. Emedia is a sort of tech media consultancy. Um, it's a matchup of immediate media, um, Emedia. And we felt very strongly, we, we, we 24 years going on 25 now, that the future or the uh, change that digital would bring into the world would be an elevation to the real time, an elimination of lag, and because it would include more of us in a shared context, a shared conversation, and a shared choreography, um, it would be an infusion of personality and intimacy. And that's pretty much what's happened over the last 20 years. Um, but the key thing about radio and what makes us so excited to work in radio is it's real time, just like digital technology is real time. Um, and when radio first arrived 150 years ago, um, it was the world's first real time technology. Finally, you could get information or discover things faster than a human being could carry the newspaper or uh, the ship could sail uh, across the ocean and bring you the magazine uh, or the guy could run to the next village. Um, so this real-time element of radio was incredibly powerful. And 150 years later, radio is still thriving despite all of this disruption and all of this change that's happening in the world. And that's because at its core values, Radio's human heart still beats, um, despite ourselves sometimes. Um, and in the midst of this electric and mobile and social revolution, all of what's happening around us is effectively just amplifying these core values of radio. And we've tended to run away from it um, when we should be embracing it. So one of the things that make radio a strong, high-trust um, medium is because of its sense of community. Um, and community implies participation. 
co-creation, uh, recognition, validation. And we've been trying to remain a bit too rigid and a bit too structured in some of this. So we've been interested in how do we break down that wall between the, the station and the audience. But just looking at how this has evolved, so in the 1800s, the radio telegraph was invented, and the radio telegraph connected newsrooms across the world, so it wasn't quite yet um, the kind of medium we understand today. And guess what? Radio had its own code language, dot, dot, dash, Morse code. So you had to be a coder to understand radio. See, it was technology. So this digital thing is just another iteration of that. Um, and in the 1920s, we were able to transmit human voice. And that really started the, the current sort of um, radio as we understand it revolution. And that human connection, the fact that you were a million sort of light years away in terms of context and hundreds of kilometers away and you could hear this voice and you could establish this connection, um, completely changed society, changed culture, changed a whole range of how human beings process information, connect with each other, and come together for purpose. In 1947, the transistor was invented, which was the start of the pre-digital era, 1947 to 2007. If anybody wants to know what happened between those two points, 1947, transistor was in, in, invented. It started the computing revolution, the digital revolution, um, um, and the sort of uh, internet era, eventually towards the latter half. And in 2007, this thing came out. The smartphone, apps, and the social mobile revolution started to bite. Um, but back in the day, the transistor radio was the iPhone of its day. It was portable, it connected people into a shared context, and it was that transition from the analog valve to the digital transistor. It's very much the kind of transition we see today from sort of traditional broadcast to digital media, full spectrum. By the time the internet revolution took up and the online revolution um, in the 2000s, Distribution changed from just the sort of um, FM or AM signal, the frequency, okay, to the URL. Um, but it was still just a new means of distribution. And where we are today is we're living in a real-time, digitally connected, every individual person, an individual node on the network, able to broadcast ourselves, and engage in a shared context, a shared conversation, and come together in purpose at the speed of, let's do it. And we've seen so many examples of this in the last 10 years, particularly. And what's happened is the sense of human connection and that sense of community has come because our audience can participate with us. And that feedback loop has been ratcheting ever open. And where we find ourselves today is that the audience out there can talk to us through a richer aperture than we are talking to them. So we're just still broadcasting audio in the main. And there's some experiments around the edges. 
But if you look at your human being, you are broadcasting text, video, image, sound, conversation, opinion, all of that through your smartphone. And there's now an imbalance in that feedback loop. Okay, so our challenge is how do we bring that back to balance? So each wave of technology opened that feedback loop between the station and our audience a little larger, made it a little more real time, made it a little more intimate, <coughs> personal, and immediate. Okay? And as thin as that return path of engagement was, it, that human connection is so compelling. It's so amplifying to community and belonging that it is what makes radio so durable. Okay? So if you remember back in the day, uh, you sent in your postcard to the station, and if you think about it, it took like maybe two or three weeks to get into the station, and it took uh, Aunt Doris maybe another week to sort of sift through all of this and then decide this is the one that's going to be read out on air. So like a month later, maybe your thing got read out, and you felt delighted, like, oof, my opinion's being broadcast to the community. Um, in, if you're from my generation, you'll remember the self-addressed stamped envelope. So if you had any hope of a reply, um, then you had to give with your postcard an envelope with a post stamp on it and your return address so that the station didn't have to pay to talk back to you. <laughs> okay. um, and that feedback loop went to phone-in, so you could call into the station, and that was a bit more real-time, and to email and SMS, and now we use the social networks around us to bring that conversation into the studio. Um, now, as I said, this is a very strong connection. In fact, it's so durable, the sense of belonging, the hyper-local relevance. I need to know what's going on in my environment. It can make up for shitty programming, over-industrialized corporate behavior, um, all of the bad things that happen in radio. And here we are still thriving. And in fact, in many areas, community media is the most vibrant, rich, engaged radio of its kind. Um, because the, they, they don't have any hesitation in accepting that they, are, that they are community, that they are choreographing around a shared purpose. Um, so radio's durability comes from, it, as I said, that shared context, that we exist in an environment, whether that's a shared geography or a shared interest or passion or um, a shared sense of purpose, it doesn't really matter, we're in it together. That the content and the information and the engagement I'm participating is relevant to me, personally. Okay. That we exist in a greater purpose as a community, I can contribute to this uh, content and programming. And then lastly, um, the storytelling. Okay. And the nice thing that, or the incredibly exciting thing about technology today, is that we can bring in so many more stories from our audience. And that creates a much richer, much fuller spectrum uh, set of content. That, you know, um, one of the examples we use is having your correspondent send you a traffic update, which gets broadcast out five minutes later after they've sent it, makes them feel like they're contributing and helping and being a part of that community. But pull them away from your station and your broadcast then. You can't because that loyalty factor just goes through the roof. So we are sitting in a situation today where technology 
is able to amplify all of these core values. Okay. Um, but all of this is about being human. You know, um, some of these digital platforms, many of the digital platforms, people enjoy it. It gives you value, but often you get the sense that there's no one home. <laughs> you know, um, the point of this digital revolution is not to automate the hell out of our lives. It's to bring efficiency so that the human beings can be more human, if I can put it that way. So there's this inverse relationship that the more we automate, the more we expose the things that only humans can contribute to and only humans can create. Um, so, you know, you see this in some of the crazes that happen around us and in the world today. Everyone wants artisanal coffee and artisanal bacon and artisanal whatever. Um, but radio has always been artisanal. It's always been a crafted, curated medium. It's always had an opinion. It's always had personality. Now, we don't need to rediscover any of these things. We just need to amplify it in the way we engage with our audience. Um, and in fact, uh, as I said, the radio sort of uh, revolution has been recently affected a lot more by the economic revolution, consolidation, um, the trying, trying to automate the humans out of it uh, to a large degree. And now we kind of come full circle because even the streaming giants realize that uh, you can go anywhere for streams, but to actually have an opinion about what makes this music great or contextualize it within a moment in culture requires curation and requires a human opinion and personality. So Spotify, YouTube, uh, Apple Music have all introduced effectively radio stations with human beings at the center of them. Now, they're still a very corporatized, very industrialized, very, uh, I would say, boring um, versions of human radio, okay? But the point I'm making is that don't get distracted by the technology, right? Because the technology has always been there. Radio has always been a technology revolution and will always continue to be a technology revolution. So how can we go digital from where we are? How can we go full spectrum when we've been used to focusing on just the audio of broadcast and that sort of feedback loop such as it exists? Um, well, the important thing about going digital is it's so much quicker. The metabolic rate of digital is exponentially faster than the analog broadcast. Uh, and any organization that's going from the way they used to do things to embracing digital have got to learn a few new things. They've got to change their behavior, they've got to change their mindset. But above all else, you cannot go digital if you're not prepared to change your workflows. And one of the really threatening things about that is changing your workflows in digital, in many cases, means empowering humans. So you can't have this rigid hierarchy um, that exists in many cases because there's no time for it. So if somebody sees a conversation that's interesting and about to break, you kind of want to be trusted to put that out there and start that conversation going. Uh, but if you've got to run that up the chain to your program manager, to your station manager, to your corporate manager, to your group, somebody or the other, um, by the time that goes up and comes back down, you're out of the game. Okay, so building great talent, building great people, and 
putting them to common purpose around your broadcast is really, really critical. And there's a lot of this that's native in young people. Um, older people tend not to be able to maybe uh, see how this difference is going to be valuable. And what we encourage is just start a digital project within your teams and let the older people and the younger people start to collaborate because when they start working together like that, the content, the storytelling, it doesn't matter how old or young you are, that delight and that passion um, and that co-creation and collaboration creates really interesting outcomes. Um, so, you know, the older storytellers can teach younger people how to tell valid stories and younger people can teach older people that digital is nothing to be afraid of. Um, so we have to change mindset. And for us, the modern broadcaster, given that digital now gives them things that they can do that was not easily possible before, but amplifies these core values, means we come together in what we call a duplex dance. So it's a shared conversation and choreography in both directions, us to the audience, the audience to us, of service. We have to be of service to our audience, and that's a very significant distinction. Um, to be of service means you've got to have uh, audience empathy. You've got to put yourself in their shoes and ask what do they, what, what do they want, what do they value. You've got to be storytelling, and you've got to tell your stories in a much richer aperture than just audio. So use all of the digital platform around you and the social platforms around you. It's audio, it's video, it's text, it's notifications, it's alerts, it's all of these things. Um, and coming together for purpose. Um, whether that's let's discover this new music or let's go to this event or let's participate in this volunteer effort or let's uh, change a status quo around something we find disturbing in our society. That choreography has got to be something that you develop a natural habit on. It's not a rigid, stilted, planned process because the dialogue is constant. So the next challenge in amplifying your core values is sort of changing from a passive state to an active state. Radio is very used to being passive. We're very used to consuming it passively. You know, I. I have it as background when I'm cooking or uh, if I'm driving in the car or uh, when I'm at the bar with a group of friends. Um, and traditionally, we've tended to see radio as that companion. Uh, but you know that companion that always is silent and um, in the corner where you want them to be, um, never really intrudes. And with digital, we've got this ability to be active. And we've got to learn how to do that in a way that is sensitive, that's nuanced, that's respectful, and that's relevant. And, and that's not going to come easily, right? But it's not going to come at all if we don't get started and we don't try. Because nobody just discovers this overnight. Um, if you think about how we engage with our audience, um, we still have the mindset of come to us, you know, come to our website, come to our event. Um, we, we, we don't often try to find the audience where they are. And with digital tools, one of the, power of digital, one of the powers of digital is that you can break context. You can tap your audience on the shoulder and say, hey, there's something going on you might want to know about. Um, 
and not in a spammy way, but in a purposeful, respectful way. And that again means understanding your true purpose and authenticity for being. So having the courage to change mindset, to experiment, experiment a bit, um, to create interesting content. I mean, uh, when I was young, I know I look young, but when I was younger, <laughs> when I was younger, radio was my window on the world. Um, so I could tune into shortwave and pick up um, a station from the other side of the planet and start to discover things. Um, we used to have pirate radio, like Radio Caroline, that used to broadcast music that you couldn't hear before, Radio Luxembourg, um, that our parents wouldn't let us listen to. Okay. Now, if you think about digital, we had a global context, and now we have a hyper-local context. And what I find interesting is that sometimes my radio station in my own city doesn't go and find the new thing that's happening down the road. And if you could just do that for me, it would be as delightful as me discovering or listening into the Rolling Stones halfway across the world because the SABC wouldn't play them. Um, so this doesn't change in this generation. It just, you can do this just by within your, your broadcast boundary. You don't have to try and become the world's greatest discoverer of music but are you, or opinion or information, but are you at least making the attempt to find it where you are? Um, I had an interesting experience in Durban, where we're based. Um, there's a suburb called Overport, which is very diverse and multicultural and fascinating. And there's a flower seller who comes in with the flowers early, early morning. But it turns out he's a comedian. Um, so he had a whole pirate sort of WhatsApp following because some of the people who came to buy flowers would record him and then broadcast it to each other, right? And I'm looking at this and thinking, wow, the community finds this interesting, but none of the media have picked this up yet because we've lost that ability to find things necessarily unless it's syndicated to us. Um, so in digital, these are dog years. The metabolic rate is fast. We only have one life to live. And if you don't start today, and it's not difficult, um, you're not going to learn the things you need to learn. And you can't theorize about this. You can't say, I'll learn this when I learn it, because when you do a digital project, when you decide you're going to take feedback from your audience on digital and open up this real-time aperture and they can talk to you and drop your voice note and send you a text, then they start having an opinion and they start asking you for things. So um, one of our uh, clients took on the strategy and uh, <laughs> member of the audience messaged in um, or dropped them a voice note to say, you know, I don't really understand this competition you're talking about. So could someone like get hold of me and explain this because, uh, you know, you're a bit blurry on what I need to do here. And we were looking at this sort of feedback uh, or this request and, uh, you know, the station team were like, yeah, we're going to phone him back, you know, like we've got hundreds of thousands of listeners. How can we uh, be doing this? And, and my feeling was very much, oh, no, you will. Because that's what being of service is. Now that he can ask you these things or she can ask you these things, you've got to be there and you've got to be of service. So you don't have to literally phone them back, but, you know, reply to them. Post them a deeper explanation. Send them to the URL 
that maybe they were missing, right? But acknowledge that communication. Don't just let it fall into the ether, uh, unacknowledged, unheard, and, and sort of unserviced, okay? The other thing that is quite difficult and quite challenging is digital is convergence. Um, so digital is many things all at the same time that used to be different things. Um, and within the station, uh, convergence pulls all of the internal silos into common collaboration and action. So that you've got to start living your own value systems of collaboration and internal empowerment and marketing, working with sales, working with programming, working with eventing to actually create outcomes. Um, and that's a lot more difficult than um, many people think. Uh, so it's like always, yeah, yeah, no, we're very good collaborators. Um, but then give them a project that actually stress tests that. And, and you quickly discover the traditional sort of vectors of power and control and uh, sort of management um, that kind of derails these projects. Um, so you've got to learn to share and collaborate internally and externally as well. There are other content, there are other radio, um, there are other organization partners out there um, that your community find valuable, useful, and relevant. And if you can invite them into your platform and empower them too, um, you will find that the participatory sense of community is exponentially amplified. This year's theme is the power of 10. 10 is an exponential number, you know. It's not 1 plus 1, it's 2. It's uh, 1 to the power of 10. And the digital revolution is exactly that. It's an exponential step change um, to what is traditionally a very linear uh, sort of thinking in our environments. So sharing is something that we all preach, but we don't often do because we're very competitive and we're very protective and we want to make sure that um, we get the recognition for something well done. Um, but it's a habit that just has to be learned because uh, it doesn't appear to be that way sometimes in digital, but the most successful digital entities are the ones that are able to build strong communities around their environments and bring value to a large quantum of um, stakeholders um, at a pace, scale, and use of resources that are a fraction of what it used to take before. So there's this inverse relationship as well. We can do more with less in digital. Um, so you should not be afraid. Now, the other big payoff of the digital sort of transition is digital means data. And you know we've forever been obsessed with research and understanding our audience and uh, being able to sort of slice and dice them and package them up. Um, but I think it's quite important that when you first go digital, that you focus on the data and learn what, about, learn what it means for you to help be of service storytelling and choreography in your audience and in your community before you worry about its value to others. And by others, I mean advertisers. Um, and often um, there's just a need for or a desire for them to kind of hoover up all of the data from your audience as much as possible. And there's an increasing understanding and an increasing awareness in human beings 
that data is privacy, and privacy is important to human beings and healthy societies. And some of the practices that are currently being practiced by the ad tech industry is not necessarily appropriate, desired, nor sustainable. So a lot of the current environment of how you serve up content and um, information and advertising and tracking and all of that to your audience is likely to be disrupted, not by the advertising industry, but by the technology platforms. So uh, sort of big platform owners like Apple and Microsoft have already come out on the side of data privacy and data dignity. And they're already obfuscating uh, how their customers engage with digital platforms and services. Um, so you'll never know who this customer is unless you establish your own purpose-driven, opted-in, reason for them sharing information with you in a trusting and uh, appropriate manner. Okay. Now, if you take that data and you then just uh, harvest them and sell it on to somebody else, you will break trust. And the real, real currency going forward in this digital world is trust. Part of the disruption we're living with in the world today is there has been a disruption of trust. In the analog sort of era, trust flowed through institutions. You know, I trusted the bank and I trusted the politician and I trusted the mayor and the school principal and the police sergeant. And now that digital allows me to sort of get my own information and bypass the controlled information of those institutions, uh, actually more and more I'm not trusting them because now I can see some of the stuff they've been up to. So trust flows through, for good or bad, in the digital era, through the communities we belong in, more than the institutions of the old world. And our ability to build and retain trust is critical to successful, healthy, sort of digital engagement going forward. Now, radio is a high trust medium. We already have it. Our audience, for good or bad, actually trust us incredibly. Uh, and we see it every time we do a campaign or a call to action or an engagement with our audience. Um, they make fools of themselves for us because they trust that we won't embarrass them. Okay. And that's the fine line and sometimes we don't get it right. Every other media type, every other platform out there, whether it's Facebook, which no one trusts, so Mark Zuckerberg can go on about how he's going to build trusted communities. No one trusts that. Because until he can explain how he's going to make money from not stealing our data, um, the world is wise to that gig. Okay. Um, all of these other platforms, you've got to trust in the service they offer. So I'll keep using a Spotify or a Pandora or an Apple Music or um, whatever the digital service I'm using. As long as I can believe that it's authentic, it's trusted, it's relevant to me, and that I'm at the center of this journey, not somebody else. So everybody else is trying to earn trust, build trust, or fake trust. Radio already has it, and if we embrace digital, it's going to be the rocket fuel for radio's growth, relevance, and influence in digital society. So when television went from black and white to color, did it stop being television? No, it was just better television. And when radio goes from being a single frequency, narrow spectrum medium, human medium, 
to a full-spectrum duplex real-time digital medium, does it stop being radio? I don't think so. I think it's better radio. Okay. So, going digital is not something we should be seeing as we victims of a disruption. We should embrace it, we should extend it, and we should bring radio's core values into digital because, man, we need that human curation, that human opinion, and we need that sense of service, community, and belonging uh, to be infused into these digital platforms. Because right now, they just code. And they need something more than that. Now, but what about? But what about data is too expensive? And what about not everyone has smartphones? And what about this? And what about that? And what about all of the excuses people raise for saying, this is not yet the time to go digital? So, um, I've been in the industry for a long while, and it used to frustrate me as a technologist. Because here's the thing about technology, right? At some point, if it's of service and useful to us, everybody uses it. It might start as a rich man's tool, it might start in the rich world, but eventually it comes everywhere. And if you think about uh, mobile and cell phones, in the 1990s we gave away our future to MTN and Vodacom for beads and bangles because the license and the economic model was only 100,000 people would be able to afford a cell phone. And the argument was we're too poor, we're too undeveloped, we are too whatever to enjoy the power and the value of a real-time connected communication platform like a mobile telephone. 20 years later, 25 years later, we all connected. In 2007, 2008, when we saw this app revolution come up, we saw the smartphone, we realized that apps and cloud and this digital sort of environment was more real-time, more intimate, more personal, and more of service to the individual than the technology that existed before, like online. And we said to our clients, we need to go into this direction. The prevailing wisdom was feature phones and mobile sites for Africa. And we're going like, what do you think we're stupid? A smartphone is powerful. It's leveling. It's going to do things that feature phones can't do. In a few years, we'll all have smartphones. And today, that smartphone revolution is happening. And if people say, no, not everybody engages, they don't do this. We know that poor people spend money on data to engage or to do things before buying food because that need for connection or that need for service is so powerful. Now, will data fall? Yes, it will. But in the meantime, look around you if you're saying that there's no audience to engage with, because who the hell are all of these people on Facebook and WhatsApp? You can't have it both ways. You know, you can't have uh, all of our people who are in their daily lives blending in tools like WhatsApp and sharing platforms like Facebook, but then saying they won't use yours. They actually want yours. They need yours. Because they don't want some imposed, neo-colonized version of some uh, content and opinion from somebody else. So our optimism, and some say it is optimism, is that this change will come far faster and quicker than you think. So in 10 years, look how fast and far we've come. Okay, Just 10 years. And now ask yourself, in 10 years' time, 
Think of radio days 10 years ago and radio days today and the conversations we're having now. What will this world look like? And do you think cost of data is going to be part of that issue? Do you think the cost of devices or access to devices are going to be a part of that issue? Um, because those things will change and they do change. But here's the thing. Can you change? And how quickly can you change? And how quickly can you learn these new things? Because that's not an overnight thing. So we prepared to bet that if you start now in, a, in two, three, four years' time when you internally have become courageous enough to be a real-time, fully duplex, fully full-spectrum digital uh, storyteller and service provider, um, your audience will be there in enough quantum and depth to be sustainable. We're actually seeing this in some of our community radio station clients already who are engaging their audience on digital. And it might only be the 10% or the 20% of them in this early phase of the journey. But that's already in the first year or year and a half. So we can be skeptical. We must be skeptical. But we mustn't be stupid. Nothing's going to stop this revolution. Nothing. So we either get on board and we start learning the behavior that we need to learn so that we can have a more informed opinion about what works for us. Um, otherwise, we'll be forever too little, too late. So, I'm at the point where um, that's our view of the world. That's my view of radio and why digital is not a threat. Um, in fact, it's our future. And if anybody's got questions, I'll be very happy to take them on. Thank you so much. Um, I think you've proven to us that you know, radio is dying because of technology. That entire conversation is actually a myth. And thank you so much for that. But I'd like to open up for some Q&A from the panel. Anybody who wants to ask a question? Thank you. Um, Mr. Asim, I just want to you know, just ask you this quick question in terms of uh, you were speaking about um, like radio going digital, right? So um, how do we involve the community, like more especially the rural-based, um, like how do we engage them? How do we educate them to be part of the digital movement? Thank you. So um, one of those things is that you need to start providing services and uh, storytelling um, through digital that empowers their lives. Um, so for example, one of the examples I was using recently is um, with one of our community stations, is commuting is a big issue in our, in our society. Um, and we see how um, trains are vandalized out of frustration. But that frustration is coming from a, an information gap, right? If I have to walk from home for 45 minutes to get to the station. And I've got to do that by leaving home at 4.30 so that I can get to the station by 5.15, take the train to get to work by 8 o'clock. And then the train doesn't arrive. That's quite frustrating because in the context of our communities, it means I don't get to get to go to work that day. And that means I don't get paid that day. And that means I can't buy bread and milk on my way home that day. And that means I don't know how I'm going to put food on the table that day. So out of frustration, we demonstrate and we explode that frustration in, in, in behavior and in action. But if I only knew before I left home that the train was late or not coming, okay, 
Then I could, instead of walking to the station, maybe make a plan with my neighbor or take a taxi instead um, or make a plan that would not result in that frustration. Now, community radio has got in embracing digital, the ability to now, through digital platforms, inform their audience of something like that, that actually is purposeful in their lives. You're of service to me and you're helping me get through my day better. And I think if we find ways to uh, sand down some of those touch points in people's lives by being of service to them with digital information and, and uh, notifications and, and participation, uh, because they could also feed back to us, um, it increasingly leads to a better experience for everyone in the community. And as a result, um, you know, why do we use WhatsApp? Why do we use phones and use data at the moment? It's because I can, I can give my mom electricity, even though I live in another city. That's why we're spending the obscene amounts of money we spend on data and on mobile technology relative to our earnings uh, because of that sense of value. Now, what value do we as radio provide our communities and how can we embrace digital to, to bring down one, uh, the frustration levels of maybe what is not being served, but more importantly, have a sense of, well, this is why I, I belong in this radio community. Um, it, it improves my life. It's not just a companion to me in content or, or, or storytelling. I, I hope that answers your question. Thank you so much for that. Just to close off, um, some of our history in the, in the last uh, 25 years, we worked with many Kakisa stations. We built our digital platforms for DSTV and broadcast and endpoints, um, the digital platforms for Supersport. And uh, if you go outside, uh, we've got a little stand for a digital platform we've built that applies all of this thinking into a digital framework and platform that any radio station can use to build a secure, private, trusted, intimate engagement with their audience without leaking out any of that to uh, third-party predatory sort of providers, and for you to self-serve yourself in digital. Your cl this cloud revolution is for everyone. Your cloud can be as powerful as Netflix or Spotify or uh, Showmax or anybody else, right? And please take advantage of those tools. Also, one of our clients is also attending Radio Days today. Um, the CEO of Seychelles Broadcasting Corporation. They've deployed some of this thinking and some of this uh, digital platforms in their radio uh, uh, sort of uh, portfolio. And in the last, just for the last six months or nine months, um, it's been incredibly transformative to them. So please do attend Berard Dupre's talk at two o'clock on their experience of digitizing the island through radio. Thank you very much. Thank you.